Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard Well, golly, it's episode 17 of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, the longest-running Eric Roberts-related podcast not hosted by Eric Roberts himself on the internet. It is our first episode of 2016, which means we're officially starting season two of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, uh, and we have tons of great surprises and guests planned for you. It will officially, and I guarantee this, you can consider this the Doug Tilly guarantee, knock your socks off. But... I'm afraid we have a little housekeeping to do right here at the beginning of the show, and it's actually news I'm not happy about relating. Long-time listeners, or even short-term listeners of the show, will know that at the beginning of this podcast project, I made a blood oath with Mr. Todd Rigney to cover the films, television, and other media of Mr. Eric Roberts. And Todd, anyone who's listened to the show, they know that he's a great personality, he's a hell of a writer, he's a really good sport about this Eric Roberts business, but I'm sorry to say... And some people may have suspected that this might have been coming. I'm sorry to say that uh, Todd actually has to take a uh, leave of absence from the podcast for personal reasons. Now, before any rumors start flying, uh, we have not had any sort of falling out. I think Todd is an amazing person. He just has some things going on that he needs to take care of in his life. And, of course, we hope to have him back on the podcast at some point in the future. Um, that leaves me in a bit of a unfortunate position, not because uh, I'm here with you today. It leaves me in an unfortunate position because I kind of need someone to bounce off of. Because if I don't, you might discover very quickly that I'm a particularly boring bastard. Uh, so I want you to keep your eyes on the Eric Roberts is the fucking man social media on our Facebook group over on our Twitter feed at ERITFM. And you'll get an announcement very soon about the new co-host for the show. But with Todd or without him, we will continue the blood oath continues. And of course, whoever this new co-host will be will also have to take the blood oath. And this time, I think the blood oath will have to be recorded for posterity and of course for the entertainment of anyone listening. Now, another little bit of housekeeping. If you did listen to our most recent episode, which was our Christmas episode with Sarah Kirchhardt, and that episode is amazing. You should definitely go back and check it out because she's just about the most interesting person in the world. Uh, I'll I'll just give you three words. Pillow Fight League. She has had just a, a massive amount of interesting experiences in her life. So go check that out. But uh, if you did listen to it, it uh, ended with me announcing that our first episode of 2016 would have the uh, Vanity Fair and uh, comedy figure interviewer Mike Sachs as the guest. And he definitely will be coming up. He's actually scheduled for the end of January at this point. It was just some post-holiday scheduling issues. In fact, we've been very lucky uh, being able to schedule people two weeks in advance so far on the show. But with a new season, comes slight tinkering, slightly a new structure to things. We'll have Mike Sachs on very, very soon. Uh, and in fact, if you want to keep up on our upcoming guest, once again, I point you to our social media. Again, there are some very exciting announcements coming in the near future, some terrific guests already lined up. And the first of those terrific guests 
is someone I'm just about to introduce. And why don't I just get to it? On this episode of Erica Roberts is the Fucking Man, we have someone who has kindly, on very short notice, uh, agreed to investigate the long and storied Western career of Eric Roberts. Now, you might know this gentleman from the internet. That's where I know him from, mostly. Uh, and his writing can be found on Talk Film Society, over at Scene Creek, on Fresh from the Theater, and the uh, Seventh Art Video Magazine. I want to welcome to Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, Mr. Rob Trench. Hey, Rob. Howdy. Howdy. How are you doing? I'm great. Rob Westerns, why? Uh, I kind of feel that Westerns are taking a bit of a resurgence right now in popular culture. Um, in the last couple of weeks, you've seen films like uh, Quentin Tarantino's The Hateful Eight, uh, Alejandro G. Anarito's The Revenant, <laughs> uh, other stuff like Bone Tomahawk, Slow West. And it kind of seems to me every couple of years or so, there's always like this huge deluge of these Western revisionist projects to come together. And I sort of feel that looking through uh, Eric Roberts' very storied career of almost 200, 400 so titles, <laughs> there's got to be a few Westerns in there that are worth looking at. Well, I guess we're going to find out if that's true or not. Now, we have covered a Eric Roberts Western previously on this podcast. It was called Doc Holiday's Revenge, and it was directed by David Dakota. And Rob, I don't want to give too much away to listeners who haven't heard that episode, but it was total shit and almost unwatchable. But we might have more luck here today. I hope so. I hope so too. Rob, now you must have loved The Hateful Eight. Uh, actually, the first time I saw it, I was sort of indifferent. I thought it was maybe the least good Tarantino film, but I've seen it three times now and what? I think it's good, but like not great. Um, maybe we'll see how things differ over time, but um, I don't know. <laughs> Rob Trench, where do you find the time to watch The Hateful Eight three times? Uh, I sometimes review movies for uh, oh. outlets and stuff, so I ended up going to see one promo screening, and then I saw it two more times on my own. And I'm actually happy to report the last week I saw it, and there's still like huge crowds out there wanting to see the film in glorious 70 millimeter. So that's the best way to see it if you can. There you go. That's a that's a message to the people out there, and it should hopefully still be in cinemas by the time this episode is released. Rob, you may have heard this is a very important piece of information and a great transition for me to uh, pass along. Over on Eric Roberts' Twitter feed, he mentioned that he was extremely close to having a role in The Hateful Eight. It just didn't work out because of scheduling. Tarantino wanted him to be in it. What do you think about that? That would have knocked my socks off, I have to say. Like, oh my god. Now, I've I've seen The Hateful Eight. You've seen it more times than I can really comprehend. Who do you think he would have played? Now, of course, this we're going to avoid any spoilers here for The Hateful Eight. Who do you think he would have replaced in the cast of The Hateful Eight? I'd have to say it would probably be a minor role. Maybe uh, OG, the uh, sort of a wagon driver, or possibly somebody in a Minnie's haberdashery during the flashback sequence. I don't want to be spoiling anything for people who haven't seen the film yet, but that's pretty much what I can say in terms of talking around the film without giving any plot details. Well, I think you're out of your mind, Rob, that giving such a small part to such a renowned and beloved actor as Eric Roberts, who you may also recall was on the shortlist for one of the roles in Pulp Fiction way back when, that I think Tarantino has this love for Eric Roberts that he just wants to express and that he should have played the Michael Madsen role in The Hateful Eight. What do you think about that? That would have been pretty interesting in its own way. I mean, I know that like Tarantino has like this long-standing relationship with Michael Madsen, who did play the role in the film, and he's obviously trying to find ways to cast his old buddies. But if he's been trying to, you know, get Eric Roberts, you know, into one of his films, 
for this long. I'm hoping that happens in the next couple of years or so. And it's just such an unfortunate uh, way of seeing things that Eric Roberts is so busy, you know, making about five movies at the same time <laughs> at all times. Well, maybe something will happen in the future. I mean, he was able to uh, – Paul Thomas Anderson got him for Inherent Vice last year for that small little That's role true. there. So, you know, he's obviously going to be like, you know, tempted to work with these big guys every now and then. Can you imagine being on a David Dakota set and saying, oh, yeah, I wanted to be in that Tarantino film. But unfortunately, scheduling, and here I am making my 12th film with David Dakota for whatever reason. Rob Trench, what do you think about Eric Roberts? I think Eric Roberts is an enigma amongst mm. most actors. I mean, a lot of the time uh, people will ask me, just having such a storied knowledge of film, who I think you know the biggest actor of all time is. And I'm like, have you seen Eric Roberts' IMDb resume? I mean, <laughs> it literally goes longer than anything else. I mean, he's like more prolific than most porn stars, for Christ's sake. I mean, come on. It really is getting a little ridiculous. In fact, it's been ridiculous for a while now. And of course, the fact that it's ridiculous is one of the reasons that this podcast even exists. Because frankly, I could keep this podcast going biweekly for years and years and not even come close to capturing all of the material on that IMDb page, especially when you consider that it's not just movies that there are full seasons of television shows that i mean we're we haven't touched suits and we haven't touched new girl is that a show i don't think he's on that one but he's on some sort of show uh <laughs> and he's been on tons of like individual episodes of television shows all over the place of course full seasons of things like celebrity rehab i mean there's just so much to cover and i'm not gonna lie to you rob sometimes in the dead of night i think about the blood oath i made and I wonder if I did the right thing. But then I have someone like you on, and I, I think that it's the greatest thing ever. I get to talk to Rob Trench about Eric Roberts. <laughs> it's my pleasure, really. Yeah. yeah. What's your favorite Eric Roberts movie? Oh, that's uh, hard to say just mm -hmm. because I feel like I don't want to pick a movie that, as you say, he has a small role in or sure. something where he has like a much more larger standing presence, I would say. I mean, that's uh, that might actually take me some time to think about in all uh, honesty. Um, okay, we have time. We'll just wait. Okay. Yeah. No, no, I mean, we'll just wait. Okay, wait for it to happen or? Yeah, yeah, we're going to wait right now until you tell me. Okay, how about instead of your favorite, what's just an Eric Roberts performance that you recall being, uh, feeling good about? Uh, the Cable Guy. The Cable Guy, covered, of course, on Eric Roberts' is The Fucking Man. A terrific Eric Roberts performance. A little small, little small. But uh, that is uh, par for the course in uh, post-1995 Eric Roberts' performances, except, and I must say this, in the case of the two films we're covering today. Great choices, by the way, Rob Trench. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm very excited to be talking about Westerns. I actually have a lot of love for the genre myself. And like yourself, do recognize a sort of... I wouldn't say another renaissance necessarily. It could be kind of a coincidence that all of these films have sort of uh, come together over the last couple of years or so. And even in the case of the ones that you mentioned, some of those films have gotten larger releases than others and made more of a cultural impact than others. But look, anytime a Western can be released and find some sort of financial success, that's a good thing because I love the genre I love. And I love not just American Westerns, of course. I love Italian Westerns as well. And of course, I love The Wild Bunch, which we're going to talk about in just a little bit because one of the films we're talking about today does uh, attempt to emulate certain aspects of The Wild Bunch, and maybe successfully, maybe not so successfully. But we will 
of course, talk about that. But before we do, we have to jump into the latest, greatest news in the Eric Roberts verse. We have to talk about, of course, the Roberts Report. Ah, yes, with a new year comes plenty of Eric Roberts news. Uh, the 2016 IMDb listings on his, um, on his profile are quite ridiculous, as, as people who have listened to this show already know. But I do want to start with something that we actually mentioned on the most recent episode, the enthusiastic response to the Lifetime movie Stocked by My Doctor, which was airing regularly over the holidays. I have yet to see it. But uh, a number of different people have messaged me privately to say I must see it and that it has a delightfully unhinged Eric Roberts performance at its center. And those are my favorite kind. So we're going to be fast tracking that one onto the podcast. So you should uh, definitely be looking for that soon. Rob Trench, stalked by a doctor. Does that sound like something that might interest you? Absolutely. I mean, Lifetime movies are like their own kind of genre hmm. in most cases. And Anytime they have such a catchy title or interesting promo on, it's sort of like you kind of have to make time for it in your schedule, especially if Eric Roberts is in it. I mean, I feel like it has all the elements that I most enjoy. It's a lifetime movie. It has a great title and it has Eric Roberts bringing it all together. Uh, it, I, frankly, the fact that I didn't have more enthusiasm for it when I brought it up previously, I feel a little embarrassed about that now because it's called Stalked by My Doctor. Rob, have you ever been stalked by a doctor before? I haven't been to the doctor in maybe two or three years, so that's you live maybe in Canada, a good thing. Rob. I know I'm not making the most of my uh, healthcare benefits, but we'll see. People died for your right to be able to do this, <laughs> to go to the doctor, go to a free clinic, walk in, and uh, you know just get checked out. Yeah, it's probably uh, time due time for that now. That's it, it is due time, and Rob, we will be following up with you later to make sure that you did visit to get your regular yearly checkup. It's good. It's a good thing. That goes for all of you listeners, too. Get your yearly checkup in. Now, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that the Eric Roberts is the fucking man Twitter account at ERITFM was recently followed by the lovely and talented Eliza Roberts, the wife of Mr. Eric Roberts, and, of course, his manager as well. I rather jokingly said on the uh, Facebook group that I'm in the process of collecting the whole set of the Roberts family. Uh, and uh, and I did say that jokingly, but maybe not so much. I, I, I do feel both uh, excited and somewhat anxious about the fact that Eliza Roberts is now following me because that means she might listen to the show. And what might she think if we said something negative about her or Eric Roberts? What do you think, Rob? I think that having such a close family connection of a personal degree to the uh, Eric Roberts clan – uh, could be a blessing in disguise. Mm. We'll have to see. But, I mean, it's nice that, you know, the podcast itself is becoming so high, high, pro, uh, high profile um, to actually warrant such attention. So All the stars are listening to Eric Roberts is the fucking man. We've got Eric Roberts. We've got Eliza Roberts. We've got Rob Trench. Really, it's all the kind of viewership or listenership, I should say, you need when you're putting out a podcast about Eric Roberts. For sure. For sure, says Rob Trench. Uh, and, of course, you can find Rob Trench on Twitter at – what's your Twitter name, it's Rob? just at Rob Trench. It's pretty simple. At Rob Trench. Rob, what do you spend most of your time doing? Writing uh, for school and for myself. Pleasure. Now, where do, you go, where do you go to school, Rob? I'm at York University uh, in the master's program for cinema studies. 
um, working on my MRP right now, essentially, and it's going pretty well, I'd say. And when do you think you're going to be complete that? Uh, in a few months, hopefully. I'm just about to finish my first draft of my uh, project, and I still have a bit more research to go and a few more uh, interviews to sort of collate together, but I'm pretty optimistic that it's going to be very well uh, adorned by you know, the faculty and everybody, so... Yeah. Rob, Rob, just between you and me, what's the topic of this? It's the exhibition of cult cinema in Canada throughout the Ooh. 1970s. So, Holy uh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> that is a topic that is actually very near and dear to my heart. So that sounds great. And I imagine, well, I imagine there's a few people that we both know that you've already talked to about that. Now, Eric Roberts was recently interviewed for Smashing Interviews magazine, which is not a magazine that I knew existed before today, but apparently is a thing. And this thing interviewed Eric Roberts. And I uh, do have the link to that interview in the show notes today. And I just wanted to read a quick quote because uh, the interviewer asked Eric about his ever-lengthening IMDb profile and all the projects that he has lined up. Frankly, Eric does not know what projects are coming out or when they're about to come out or not because he just keeps doing them and doing them. Quote, Eric Roberts, I don't know. IMDb tracks that for me. When I wonder what I'm doing, I go to IMDb and they tell me, or I go to my wife. I don't really know what I have out there and that's still in the can because I'm always working. So I don't keep track of what's where. And that's why we're here, Eric Roberts. We're here to tell people what's coming up and what has just come out. And so if you want to keep up on your career, you can throw IMDb to the curb and just listen to the latest episode of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Now, uh, again, listeners of the show will also remember that a few episodes back, we talked about a film, a faith-based film called Prayer Never Fails. And over at the Christian Post, they posted an article called Christian Sports Coaches Facing Faith Oppression Highlighted in Upcoming Movie. Uh, and that is, of course, about Prayer Never Fails, which is apparently birthed from the various news stories that have made headlines about sports coaches being ridiculed or fired for praying at games. The movie promises to showcase prayer at a whole new level. Rob Trench, what do you think about faith-based movies? I think that they have a certain market in the uh, sort of American mentality, which sees that they have a built-in audience and a lot of them can be very successful even if they're not very well put together or the whole idea about them is kind of skeptical um i am not really a religious person so i'm sort of looking at it from like a sort of distance point of view but i do see the appeal i just don't really want to watch any of them unless there's some sort of thing to hook me in essentially now say if there was a western with a faith-based angle to it, that might be something you'd be interested in. Absolutely, yeah. Hmm, interesting. Now, this might be the hook that you need because Prayer Never Fails doesn't just star Eric Roberts. It also has Corbin Bernson and Lorenzo Lamas. What do you think about that? Lorenzo Lamas is one of my favorite named actors, mm. and I think he is someone who has had a very interesting sort of trajectory in terms of his projects. So I definitely feel there's a kind of hitchy uh, sort of element to that so you know we'll have to wait and see when the film does open and i guess yeah that could be cool eric roberts does a lot of faith-based films that wasn't a question that was more a statement of fact he does do a lot of them he does yeah he does that seems a little strange uh when i when we did cover one earlier on the show we actually tracked down an interview which where he said that he was not a particularly uh 
I was going to say spiritual, but that's not true. But he wasn't a Christian, at least didn't consider himself one at the time. I guess it just shows that, uh, that, you know, you take the work that is offered to you as long as you don't find the content particularly objectionable. Do you think uh, coaches get fired for praying? Possibly. It depends on the institution of which they're employed in. Seems like players pray a lot. Absolutely. They're trying to get that Hail Mary. Trying to get that Hail Mary. It's even called a Hail Mary. <laughs> Uh, I've, I've given my thoughts on faith-based cinema before. Again, it's a bit of a mixed bag. And when I say a bit, I mean a lot of a mixed bag, mostly mixed on the side of being unwashably terrible. But that is not to say that this particular film, Prayer Never Fails, will be anything but wonderful. And in fact, we'll talk a little bit more about faith, uh, faith-based cinema a little bit later because it does play into one of our films today. Finally, on this week's Roberts Report. Recently added to the ever-expanding Eric Roberts IMDb page is 2016's The Summoning, directed by Alberto G. Rodriguez, uh, and it's a horror mystery thriller, ooh, all three at once, uh, and it, it, the director also directed the uh, topical for this episode, Western zombie film The Good, The Bad, and The Dead a few years back. IMDb summary says a law student working on a centuries-old murder case discovers more than what she expected when spirits from the past began to visit her, leading her towards an insidious truth that will place her own life in danger. How's that sound to you, Rob? Sounds pretty interesting, honestly. And I can't wait to see how they kind of work Eric Roberts into the overall story. Is he going to be a good guy? Is he going to be another vengeful spirit? I mean, the possibilities are endless. Now, from personal experience, I would say he'll show up as a teacher for like seven seconds and then never show up again. Yeah, that kind of seems like the sort of thing that he would do. But I mean, I, I might be wrong. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he's the vengeful spirit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it could be. He could be summoned. Eric Roberts summoned from the afterlife. Sounds good to me. And what also sounds good to me is a little discussion about two of our favorite, two of the only Eric Roberts Westerns. Rob Trench has decided that that's what we're going to talk about today. So that is what we're going to talk about. We're going to be starting with 1999's Purgatory, a made-for-TNT Western with an all-star cast, which we'll talk about in just a moment. And then we'll follow it up with The Long Ride Home from 2003, which is a semi-faith-based Western, which stars both Eric Roberts and Ernest Borgnine and Mr. Randy Travis. Yes, the musician. And in fact, he's the real star of the movie. We'll talk all about that. But first, we need to take our first break. When we come back, we're going to be talking 1999's Purgatory. It's 1999's Purgatory, directed by Uli Edel, the director of the Madonna vehicle Body of Evidence. Uh, and, uh, I mean, he's actually had a long and storied career starting in German film and moving on to a lot of television work. But also, 
1999's Purgatory, which I mentioned before was made for TNT. There was a period of time that TNT were having a lot of actually uh, kind of one-shot Western movies made for it. And this one has a pretty interesting cast, including from uh, Raggedy Man, Mr. Sam Shepard is here. We also have Randy Quaid, Peter Stomari, and Donnie Wahlberg from New Kids on the Block. Yeah, it is a all-star assortment of famous Western Characters. For those who have not seen the film before, I'm just going to give you a really quick summary. An outlaw band, led by Eric Roberts, rides into a town that is actually purgatory between heaven and hell. Spoiler alert. Though it's not really a spoiler because if you can't figure out what's going on about, say, 20 minutes into this movie, you're not really paying attention. Purgatory is sort of a supernatural western. And uh, because of that, it's actually pretty darn interesting. I have to say I was pretty impressed with Purgatory. It starts with a really kind of nifty shootout, very much in the vein of the Wild Bunch. And it ends with a big old shootout as well. And in the middle, hey, you get some decent actors doing some decent acting and uh, a lot of filler. But that's fine because it's a made for TNT Western. Rob Trench, what did you think about 1999's Purgatory? I agree. It's uh, surprisingly well made for a made for TV film, uh, which came out in 1999. Obviously, this was something they're trying to, you know, produce together to kind of air on some, like, you know, blustery weekend evening. But it actually <laughs> made for a surprisingly decent 90 minutes of entertainment. I mean, I'm not sure that they could make something this well in today's television landscape uh, or that they would put it on television or go straight to the video. But, you know, if I was, you know, not uh, seven years old when this movie came out and I was flipping <laughs> channels, I probably would have enjoyed it a lot and uh, – yeah. While I was watching it, what I kept thinking was, this is the kind of movie that my father would have really enjoyed. Uh, because, you know, it's, it's, it's a Western. It's very much in the mold of American Westerns on its Western side. Its supernatural elements are not so ridiculous that, that, you know, someone who's a fan of those traditional Westerns would scoff at it necessarily. You have these characters, these recognizable actors playing really famous Western archetypes like Wild Bill Hickok and Doc Holliday and Billy the Kid. Yeah, that's what's going on here, folks. Purgatory is filled with all of these Western heroes who have decided, not decided, they want to get to heaven. So they've decided to kind of give up all of their uh, violent ways. But then um, Eric Roberts and his gang come in a hooting and a hollering. And kind of forcing them back into action. And they also have a member of their gang, Eric Roberts' gang, who ends up being a nice kid who uh, ends up helping the townspeople. And you can probably work out how the rest of the movie is going to play out from there. But it does have a lot of kind of really neat scenes. And I I think Sam Shepard actually does a really good job as Wild Bill Hickok in here. Any actors that kind of stuck out to you, Rob, as as doing a particularly good job? I would definitely agree that uh, Sam Shepard is great in the film. I mean, he has had a very... Uh, illustrious career in the western genre on his own and mm-hmm. he sort of like you know leads the ensemble in such an interesting way even though he doesn't really come into the story until just before the end of the first act itself he uh definitely you know love raises the uh ante on the quality of the film for sure not only him i also really liked donnie Wahlberg's the my favorite mm-hmm. my favorite Wahlberg possibly um yes yeah in terms of like his uh film output uh, he's great. Yeah, let's actually let's stop you for a second there. Rank the Wahlbergs. Okay, so Donnie, uh, <laughs> I'd probably say Mark would be second. Um, okay, who are the rest of the Wahlbergs again? Sorry, my brain is just like uh, you. You don't watch Wahlburgers? I don't. Um, no, I've, I I only recently discovered that even exists. So um, let's just make up some names. Uh, 
Jeff Wahlberg, uh, Eric Wahlberg, Stevie, and uh, Stevie. Yeah, Stevie Stevie Wahlberg. Stevie is my least favorite. Ah, <laughs> oh, he's just the worst. Anyway, actually, no kidding. I probably would put Mark maybe even below a couple of those as well. Just saying is all. Just my own preference. But like yourself, I think Donnie Wahlberg does a really good job here because he plays um, a version of Billy the Kid who has this barely restrained anger going on the entire movie. He's the one that is always on the verge of kind of breaking. Uh, the rest of them, you know, all these characters are supposed to be having that kind of internal turmoil, but he's the one that shows it most on his face. Now, um, what did you think? Of well, actually, I'm going to ask you first. Peter Stormari, who's great, yeah, always, absolutely. What did you think of him in this Western role, where he has to kind of keep his uh, accent under control? Do you think he he, he plays a, a heavy in this kind of role pretty well? I was actually surprised to see he was in this because I think when this had come out, he was still on his uh, Coen Brothers trajectory. Like sure. He had just been in like The Big Lebowski and like Fargo before that. So yeah. I'm not sure if he was still doing like bit parts or anything like that, or he had to make his, you know, grand voice leap to the silver screen, or he was still kind of, you know, mulling about. But I thought he was like, you know, a formidable sort of, a, I guess, antagonist in some ways, I guess, just because mm-hmm. he is probably one of the, the dirtiest and vile <laughs> characters within the posse. Here, so yeah, he's a real drunken asshole in this movie, and he's great. He's great at it. And but you're right, he does play second banana to Eric Roberts uh, as the uh, in, in kind of the the scope of the bad guy gang in the movie. Uh, Rob, what are some of your favorite westerns? Some of my favorite westerns. Okay, mm-hmm. so I've kind of devised a top five here. I think excellent. My favorite of all time is probably Sergio Leone's Once Upon a Time in the West. I'm, I know right. lots of people love the Man of No Name trilogy, but I think this one is his masterpiece. Um, I'm with you. And then I'd, I'd probably say stuff like uh, Robert Altman's McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Uh-huh. Maybe one of the darkest filmed films I've ever seen in terms of like how garish it looks, but it still works to such great effect. Um, I also love uh, Johnny Guitar, uh, Nicholas Ray's oh, film. Yes. Um, in terms of recent stuff, I really love The Assassination of Jesse James. I think that's you know, a landmark film. Even though it's kind of like long and the title's pretty long too, but it's still recommended. <laughs> and just to have it was so long, the title was so long you couldn't even just say it. Or you could pretty much, you know, deduce deduce what's gonna happen. But uh <laughs> and if I have one more film just to round out that bunch, I'd say Rango. Because you don't really see many CG kids western hybrids that are sort of like an acid trip at the same time. It's very yeah. uh unique kind of thing that I don't think anyone else could have made. So Interesting. So for those of you who may not be as familiar with Westerns, those are five great ones to check out. I, I do have to mention, uh, Rob, that uh, aside from the Altman film, you – and really that one probably doesn't even fit into this. You didn't pick a lot of kind of classic American Westerns, say the John Fords or the Howard Hawks style Westerns. I mean like I love those too. Like Red River is amazing. The Searchers is an all-time classic. I mean, in terms of films that are like really rewatchable to me, though, I'd have to say the ones I sort of, you know. Sure. And it's your list, Rock. You can make it whatever you want. And just like yourself, Once Upon a Time in the West is not just my favorite Western. It might be my favorite movie ever. And uh, I'll be hard-pressed not to put some of the Ennio Morricone music between some of the segments on this very show. How did you find the supernatural elements worked in purgatory rob did you find that the melding was a little uneasy uh, the only time that i felt it maybe kind of went over the edge was at the very end a little bit i mean 
there's a few sequences where they try to put in like the CGI stuff to kind of like after the big shootout scene and like the sort of blood splotches <laughs> disappear. I mean, from the kid and the whole scene in the opening where they had he has like all the little like uh you know dime novels of all the major figures and they come into the story later on and it's sort of like it's too coincidental. But I don't think this is trying to be a very like uh intelligent or type of film it's really trying to just you know go through the motions in some ways and just kind of give you know regular audiences like what they kind of want out of a western film and mixes together these aspects of being uh, very classic from the surface level but it does this whole sort of uh you know genre revisionism at the same time and you don't really see many uh fantasy westerns out there anymore yeah. it's like sometimes they kind of put in some of those elements to kind of the idea of like you know some actors maybe you're some characters are delusional in terms of what happens in the story, but you do actually don't have full on aspects of like, you know, I guess you would even say this is somewhat faith based in its own way of having, you know, purgatory represented as an actual yeah. Western town between heaven and hell. Although it's not so uh, evangelical in that respect either. So it also weirdly ties in its Christian view of the afterlife with a native American view because uh, not not in any kind of specific way, but we do see an Aboriginal or an Indigenous person in the film who is uh, meant to represent, I guess, the the gatekeeper to hell or heaven, something along those lines. It cuts to that that uh, that person whenever uh, an act of violence is about to happen. I'm not necessarily sure what that's supposed to represent. This is a very white movie <laughs> for sure, uh, and and yeah, I mean, there. I think I. I took it on kind of face value in that classic cowboys and Indians sort of way, but uh, it, 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 I like the idea of when a character achieved a level of goodness that allowed them to go to heaven. That you know they just had this guy ride up with his horses and say, "Come on, time to go," and they all just rush off into these bright white lights, and that's heaven. That's what you do with these cowboy people. While on the other side, if you're evil, if you're Eric Roberts. You get tossed into a burning pit. <laughs> yeah, that actually sequence was um, – I wasn't expecting that to happen. That was just sort of like <laughs> the out of left field. But I had to like rewatch that scene like six times over because I was just – that was maybe my favorite moment of the whole film actually <laughs> because it had, it had Eric Roberts. It also had like fire and brimstone and <laughs> you know you can't beat that combination. I love uh, – actually, it's interesting to note that Eric Roberts has played both an angel – and uh, and the devil in uh, separate films, and uh, in these two movies that we're covering today, in one he plays a very benevolent, very kind, very uh, good person, while in this film he plays really an evil sack of shit. Yeah, he's a turtle. He's a total turd of a person, but you, you yeah, can't take your great. eyes off of him at the same time. I mean, you know, it's the Eric Roberts charm working too. You know. Well, th- I, well let's get into that a little bit more. W- what was? Eric Roberts' performance like in this movie. It's funny to think that he hasn't been in many westerns considering the whole scope of his career at this point because that drawl, that uh, that accent that he has and, and and certainly in this performance here, it shows that he makes a really good western villain. Yeah, you just kind of like love to hate him. I mean, not even just that, but just like the sort of like his uh, mannerisms and just this sort of like, you know, visual depiction like the like long gnarly hair and like the you know rotting teeth and just the sort of like as you say his uh, weird kind of drawl he has going on it's just sort of like it's unlike most Eric Roberts performances I've seen it doesn't seem like he's like phoning it in or anything he actually seems mm-hmm. like he believes he's like this terrible terrible gunslinger so 
there's this great moment near the beginning of the movie where uh, after the bank robbery that opens the film, uh, Eric Roberts' uh, character, his brother, is riding with him, but he's been shot. So uh, eventually he's kind of getting worse and worse, and uh, he falls off his horse. And <laughs> because Eric Roberts says that he can't waste a bullet on him, they're just going to let him waste away and die in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and that leads to one of the complex moral issues with this uh, young guy who's in the, the group. But that's such a – I mean, talk about an evil thing. You won't even put your own brother out of his misery as he's laying there dying because you don't want to waste the bullet. Yeah. It's pretty great. Well, uh, is there any other elements that kind of stuck out to you in this movie, Rob? What did you think of the visual style of it? In those kind of, you know, that 4 by 3 television frame, it's hard to get the expanse of a classic Western. Exactly. Like, they don't have the whole, uh, you know, Cinerama, like, epic sweeping vista shots of the film. But, you know, they have what they uh, can work with here. And it's, you know, put off to good effect. Like, as I said before, for a made-for-TV film, this looks really good. Like, I... Maybe if they didn't shoot this four by three, they could have actually made a decent, you know, attempt to bring it, you know, to the theatrical market or, you know, I'm assuming this is kind of like before the whole sort of like, you know, digital takeover of things. So maybe right. it was a few years before, you know, it could have been like a solid hit, like outside of the television mainframe. But for what it is, it's actually surprisingly good. And it was much, much better than I anticipated from when I just had seen the title and read a basic description. So... With all of that said, you've been very kind to Eric Roberts' performance in this movie, which brings us to what we have to discuss at the end of every discussion of a film or television or other media project here on Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. Does this film confirm or refute the theory of this podcast, which is that Eric Roberts is the fucking man? Absolutely. Yes. It confirms that he's the fucking man. That's a fucking man from Rob Trench. I will concur i will say that yes eric roberts gives a fine villain performance here in purgatory uh he really is playing he just seems to be having a ball playing a complete asshole and you know what everyone seems to be having a lot of fun in this movie randy quaid seems to be having a good time too and it's nice after say the last five years or so to see randy quaid in a performance where he seems to be having a good time and doesn't seem to be insane i mean i'm just saying randy quaid was a good actor i, I miss the clean cut you know boyish uh randy quaid honestly and it sort of like took me back to a more simpler time in uh yeah yeah now he looks like an old prospect yeah (laughs) which i mean would also fit well into a western but uh but yeah no it's it was a different time and you want to talk about (laughs) now this is only a couple years after independence day i guess people just wanted to get together and make a western right and there's nothing wrong with that I hope, I hope more people feel that way. And heck, we could use a few more television westerns. I want to give one more shout out to the, uh, the visual look of the movie in terms of the layout of the town. It's very much a classic western town, but it looks really good. Like there's a lot of detail there that you wouldn't necessarily expect on a television budget. I have to say, I'm very impressed by 1999's Purgatory. Really was a joy to watch. On the other hand, after this next break, <laughs> We're going to be talking about The Long Ride Home from 2003, starring Randy Travis, uh, Ernest Borgnine, and of course, Eric Roberts. Why don't you join us after this break and we'll talk about it.
Dead or Alive, Justice Will Be Served. That's the tagline for 2003's The Long Ride Home, directed by Robert Marcarelli, who uh, is best known for his faith-based films, uh, many of them that he made after this. He actually has quite a few on his resume. Uh, And the plot of it involves a man fights the law and the lawless in order to reunite with his wife and son in the 1860s West, which gives you almost no detail about what this movie is about. But that's okay, because the movie really isn't about that much. It, as we mentioned, has uh, the singer, Randy Travis, in the lead role uh, as a kind of outlaw who was forced into becoming an outlaw through very unusual circumstances that I might I may need Rob Trench to explain to me. Uh, we have Eric Roberts on hand as a... Uh, I guess a local sheriff who has been um, hanging around Randy Travis's uh, now estranged wife for the last two years. But she has not broken her vow of, I guess, chastity to her husband, even though he's been gone for two years. It seems like a really strange situation that's going on here. And we're going to get into this because the long ride home, I think we can both safely say, does not live up to the quality of purgatory. Or maybe I'm wrong. Rob, let's start with you. What did you think of the long ride home? I thought it was terrible, like, from start to finish. <laughs> I mean, like, on the whole, it just seemed like it's a vanity project for uh, Randy Travis. I mean, he even sings the theme song in the end credits. <laughs> I would hope he did. I mean, why else would you have Randy Travis there, right? Exactly, yeah. I mean, I kind of felt like with this film, what really uh, soured it was the fact that this movie is not even that long. It's about 85 minutes, but it feels like it's three hours in terms of uh, the pacing and, you know, the sort of suggestions in the narrative that kind of tell you where things are going to go. And then it takes, you know, much longer than it really should. I mean, this movie has about maybe 20 minutes worth of plot, but it's stretched out an extra hour longer than it should. And I think maybe the people making this film, they weren't having high expectations. Maybe they're just trying to, you know, satisfy Randy Travis and his uh, (laughs) ego, but I mean, Eric Roberts is in it, so let's talk about him. It's a fucking ponderous movie, man. <laughs> it's ponderous. ponderous yeah. yeah. Oh, very good. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it is. It once you realize where it's going, you're just waiting for it to get there, and it takes a long, long time. I did not do a very good job of explaining the plot to it, uh, but just to give you a sense of where these pieces fit together, we have Randy Travis, who is the notorious outlaw Jack Cole, who. After running into one of Ernest Borgnine's uh, – is this his nephew or something that he first kills? It, because the nephew is drunk and he ha- feels compelled he has to, to save his own life, shoot that guy dead. And because the family then is after him, Randy Travis becomes an outlaw and kills, I guess, a whole bunch of other members of the family. So Ernest Borgnine is on, with two of his sons are out to get Jack Cole, played by Randy Travis. Uh I, it seems like like all of the stuff leading up to when this movie starts would be way more interesting than what we actually see in the movie because uh, here are everyone coming together in sort of a – I mean there's almost no gunplay in this movie. There's one, so, a little tiny bit at the very beginning and a little tiny bit at the very end. It Most of it is about a character finding his faith, not literally but sort of. Uh, and uh, And Eric Roberts just kind of riding around, being charming, being very nice. You know, trying to uh, to uh, seduce <laughs> the Randy Travis's uh, wife, but uh, but there's really not much going on. Uh, there is one kind of crazed character, Deputy Hart, even though he's not really a deputy, uh, who then kidnaps 
um, the the Randy Travis's kid, and there's a big hullabaloo leading into a violent cl- climax that isn't very violent at all. What did you think about the kind of faith-based elements of this movie? I, I've been mentioning that word a lot, but really, this certainly isn't as overtly faith-based as a lot of the works by the same director or a lot of the works that we've covered on this show that were faith-based. I would say that the uh, inciting incident of the film, which is kind of shown in uh, partial flashbacks, mm-hmm. Uh, complete with, you know, weird kind of dissolves back to the main action <laughs> and a weird kind of like blue kind of tinted thing to say that you know that this is something that's already happened. Uh, also with the weird kind of echoey kind of sound effects. <laughs> I mean, I think that was maybe a bit over the top. It's like hitting us over the head. But it seems to be, uh, you know, very uh, faith-based in terms of it being about a character who sort of falls off the beaten pack and has sort of like, you know, struggled to sort of reclaim who he used to be and, uh, you know, who he once was and sort of reuniting with the family and saying a bunch of Bible verses, you know, over the course of being nursed back to his original state. Um, I think that the faith elements of the film are a little very heavy handed, but Mm. in terms of uh, pandering to its primary audience, that seems to be something you can't really do without at the same time. But I do kind of feel, as you uh, mentioned earlier, lots of the other attempts to be dramatic or, uh, you know, high uh, anti aspects are a little, uh, uh, they're not very effective, honestly. (laughs) And this kind of make you want something else to happen or anything of that nature. Tell us a little more about your experience with Randy Travis, Rob. Randy Travis. I honestly had never really heard of Randy Travis before. I mean, what? maybe that's Randy been, Travis. No, I'm, I'm not a really big uh, country music person. Now, you why know, is that? Me. Let's let's I, hear the reason for that. That you're not a big fan of country music. I live in Canada, mm-hmm. where there's not a lot of it. What about Calgary? <laughs> I, I've never. I was in Calgary maybe one time. Mm-hmm. When I was like, you know, four feet tall, but like. I don't think it's they love that, cowboy hats there. They do. You know, every other person is wearing one, especially around the Calgary Stampede. I live um, in I live in Peterborough, Ontario, Canada, and it's near a place called Havelock. And Havelock, they love country music in Havelock. Really? <laughs> yeah, they have a yearly country jamboree there, where a bunch of people they all go and they listen to country music, and it seems like they have a heck of a time. Oh wow! I think uh, Travis Tritt was there. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know anything about country music, especially modern country music, and especially Randy Travis, except that he was on, an, uh, I think, an episode of King of the Hill. But So you're saying you did not know a lot about Randy Travis going into this? I knew probably next to nothing. So it was kind of like my first uh, entry point into his, uh, you know, multi-hyphenate career as a singer, <laughs> actor, you know, spokesperson. I don't even know. But, uh, yeah, I mean – his uh his performance in the film itself, I mean, it's okay for like what the film is. I mean, as I said before, it seems like it's a kind of vanity project, so he's not really flexing his sort of uh you know, uh, I guess acting mustache. methods oh, yes. or anything like that. But his mustache, yeah, that flexes a lot too. <laughs> you know, anytime he has to kind of strike like an angry face or anything, but um, I'm not I'm not sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> Now, you have to tell me if I'm right about this. I seem to recall Randy Travis was in the movie Black Dog, starring Patrick Swayze and Meatloaf. Wait, was he? I've never heard that film before. I know at least two of those people are in that movie. I can't really remember if Randy Travis is in it or not. But that is the extent of his acting career that I'm aware of, except for his appearance on the television show King of the Hill. Uh, Yeah, I don't know much about Randy Travis. I think he does an okay job here. Uh, I mean, he, he... 
is not very good at playing evil, but then again, most of what we see of his character in this movie is just him being kind of redeemed again and again and again. He never does anything that's, uh, that's irredeemable actually at all. Um, the characters that are after him, Ernest Borgnine's character, it's really, it's really a sense of honor that he's kind of hunting him down for, even though even his own sons recognize that what Jack Cole did, he did uh, out of his own self-preservation rather out of, rather than out of malice at all. You like Ernest Borgnine, Rob Trench? Absolutely. Yeah. He's one of those actors who, you know, he keeps like popping up in like, you know, so many different kinds of genres. Oh, yes. Types of films. Um, I mean, he's been in everything from like the black hole to basketball and even in (laughs) several classic Western films. I mean, the wild bunch, like you mentioned before, I mean, that's one of his best roles, I'd say. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Now, do you know what Ernest Borgnine uh, said was what allowed him to live to such a ripe old age? Oh, no, I don't. He said on Fox News that he likes to liked to, I should say, rest in peace, Ernest Borgnine, masturbate a lot. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> he said he likes to masturbate a lot, and that's why he lived into his nineties. What do you think about that, Rob Trench? I would have thought that masturbating a lot would give you like, you know, increased uh, you know, heart anguish or anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know it lowers the risk of prostate cancer. That's for true. Sure. Uh that's what like a lot of my gay friends say. Um, so I mean I guess that's something you could sort of like work at. I mean, obviously you could do, you know, not drinking or smoking or kind of maintaining a healthy diet, but masturbating, I mean, that's a new one, honestly. Er- I mean, Ernest Borgnine seems like the kind of guy to me who maybe wasn't avoiding drinking and smoking in his life. I don't know that for sure, but he seems like a guy who probably knew how to have a good time. So oh, yeah. I guess maybe he was balancing that out with his constant masturbation. <laughs> Right. He falls yeah. off a horse in this movie, but I don't think it was him. <laughs> Probably not. No. I, don't, I don't think Ernest Borgnine in his late 80s at the time this movie was made was going to be falling off a horse. He does die. Spoiler alert. Um, oh, wait. Does he die? I can't remember now. He was think, dying. Yeah. Yeah. That's a major plot point. I don't think he died at the end, though. It yeah, was just sort was. of like he's in the final, like, you know, sort of, uh, uh, I guess – uh, assault on the homestead and he's right. there with his sons and it's sort of like this weird kind of a standoff moment. Um, but no, I think he lives to tell the tale. So Now the most important role in this movie is played by – no, not Eric Roberts. It's played by Gary Marshall. <laughs> Gary Marshall's in this movie for some fucking reason. He plays a shopkeep and he's in the movie for two scenes. Gary Marshall, why is he in this movie, Rob Trench? I assume that he uh, was doing it as a favor for somebody else because I don't see why, uh, you know, a respectable American director of many romantic comedies and (laughs) holiday-based films would be starring in a Western of this caliber. But, I mean, if there's a better story behind that, then I'd like to hear it, I guess. We'll have to get Gary Marshall on the podcast and ask him how he ended up in The Long Ride Home. What's your favorite Gary Marshall movie? Oh, that's a good one. I mean, I'd maybe say something like Pretty Woman just because it's kind of like the uh, classic. I mean, it's not perfect or anything, but it's like, you know, great in its own way. I mean, it's better than something like uh, New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve. I said that on a plane once, New Year's Eve. Uh, It it, it didn't have the sound on, but uh, I could tell I didn't want to ever watch it with the sound on by seeing it with it off. Yeah. maybe had a lot of famous people in it, though. Wasn't Ashton Kutcher in New Year's Eve? He might have been part of the ensemble. I mean, like, there's New Year's Eve, there's Valentine's Day. I think Mother's Day is coming out next year. He's just kind what? Of to, 
make this kind of like, you know, epic, you know, holiday, you know, multiverse of films, I guess. And it's kind of weird how he uses some of the same actors, but they play completely different people. I mean, maybe he's just kind of calling in lots of favors on his own, you know, regard, but. Well, I hope that Gary Marshall has a crisis on infinite earths that make all of these different universes crash together and we'll get some sort of a weird amalgam universe of all of these different holiday based romantic comedies. It would be amazing. I mean, it would probably set a billion dollars to the domestic box office or something. Uh-huh. I mean, I think it's every, a sure thing. Every mom and us, uh, you know, sister and would see it. I'm sure. It's an interesting thing you just said, Rob. It seems to be the suggestion that romantic comedies would only appeal to moms and sisters. Well, I'm saying that they would probably be the target audience, where they would drag like you know the husbands, uh, you know, boyfriends, you know significant others with them so it now it seems much. like you're suggesting that romantic comedies require husbands and boyfriends to be dragged along to them instead of people enjoying them on their own merits well at the same time i mean it could be that way but sometimes people could just be saying i genuinely want to watch this movie you know you love pretty woman you just said so a few minutes ago i did i did yeah and that's a romantic comedy Right, but I'm saying that movies that are based <laughs> along like a specific like holiday and meant to sort of uh, continue this whole kind of like you know capitalist ideology. I'm I'm getting into too many semantics right now, but Rob Trench, I mean, I'm not trying to rake you across the coals. This is Eric Roberts <laughs> is the fucking man, the world's number one Eric Roberts related podcast, not hosted by Mr. Eric Roberts. We are talking about the Long Ride Home from 2003, a very poor western that in some ways features. Eric Roberts. What does Eric Roberts do in this movie, Rob Trench? He is the sheriff of the local town. His yes. name is Sheriff Hank Bowman. <laughs> and he is trying to court the uh, wife of Randy Ter- Travis's character. Um, right. He only appears, honestly, maybe five or six scenes total. It's kind of it's kind of strange to me. It's like you have Eric Roberts in this film, but he just kind of like meanders in and out of the narrative as he pleases. I mean, I would have preferred he'd be a more constant force – Overall, um, I'm not sure. Possibly he was filming something else at the same time. It could have very well be possible. But yeah. The, the introduction to his character is particularly strange because it's just him and Randy Travis's wife. Uh, and he's just, he's playing, I mean, he plays this kind of very honorable sheriff and he's just complimenting her in a lot of using a lot of flowery language. Use, actually, he sounds kind of ridiculous because of all the shit that he's saying. Uh, and, and, but because we have no background for this character at this point, it all comes off as being very hollow. And then he asks her to marry him, but we know nothing about the relationship up to that point. Very strange what they do with this character in this movie. A little bit. I mean, it kind of seems like his character is trying too hard to woo her. He's talking all about, oh, I think you should be wearing silk all the time and all this stuff. And it's just like, you know, he's they're like beating you over the head of all this kind of like romantic, you know, jargon and whatnot. And I mean, I guess in some ways... It's uh, sort of different from the kind of, you know, stereotypical performance of like a mm-hmm. sheriff in a Western film. You don't really see them be so um, not feminine, but like, I mean, in that kind of capacity it's, at the same time. It's not the kind of Eric Roberts I'm used to seeing on screen for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I have a question for you, Rob Trench. Say you were in a relationship with someone and yeah. you saw them every Wednesday for two years and you're developing – a romance with them over that time period. However, he can't seal the deal because she has made a vow, a marriage vow, to someone in her life who has gone and vanished for two years straight. 
Now, say at the end of that two years, that person returns and he's like quoting Bible verses and shit, and but he still seems like kind of an asshole. How well do you think that you would respond to the idea that she would then ask you to go away <laughs> while she would continue her relationship with this former outlaw who left her for two years? I mean, I like to think that if you love someone, you have to, you know, let them go mm. and, you know, be with, you know, who they desire to be with as a sort of a personally tragic that that could be, you know, construed as. I mean, in this, in this uh, you know, circumstance with the film, I feel like Eric Roberts, he can't really, uh, you know, try to be the better man. He kind of just has to sort of like, you know, accept what's sort of being presented in front of him, you know. I'm sure there's probably some other like, you know, uh, forlorn, uh, you know, woman to sort of, uh, you know, uses a sort of casual graces onto. So I'm sure that uh, outside the confines of this narrative, he has a happy ending in his own way. You know, he's able to find resolution. But according to this movie, I don't think there's another female character that isn't Gary Marshall's (laughs) shrieking wife (laughs) in the entire movie. Uh, And boy, he did not. Eric Roberts in that two years, he did not get to bone. So he needs to he needs to go out and find himself a relationship where someone appreciates him on the level that a character that is so uh, using your words feminine <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> could he, could be appreciated for sure yeah this film it definitely does not pass the Bechdel test I mean as you say there's only two female characters and they never interact once so also the other female character the one that's not Gary Marshall's awful awful wife she's like constantly getting. Like, uh, captured. There's a, a part where she almost gets sexually assaulted and gets her hair cut off. It's, uh, she's not exactly presented as the most, uh, equal to the male characters in this movie. Though she is tough in her own right, certainly. Yeah, for sure. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. What do you think about that, Rob Trench? I think he is. I, well, I definitely think in lots of films, he is the fucking man. I mean, I think in this film, The Long Ride Home, it's debatable. I mean, let's he's, debate. Okay. <laughs> why Why do you think or not think that he's the fucking man in this movie? I think in some ways he is, you know, an idealized kind of man. Mm. Not so, uh, you know, masculine or, you know, burly in terms of like his uh, presentation. Uh, <laughs> you know, he tries to do the right thing. He may or may not be, you know, what you would expect to have an Eric Roberts performance. But I would say I'd go halfway on this one. He's half the fucking man in this film. Eric Roberts, half the fucking man in The Long Ride Home. I think that you are a very good debater, Rob Trench. And you've convinced me. You've convinced me that maybe, and maybe it's just because my regular co-host, Mr. Todd Rigney, isn't here to bring me back from the brink, that maybe I don't think that he's the fucking man in this movie at all. But no, deep down in my heart, I know that he's at least half a fucking man. So for this performance in The Long Ride Home, I'm going to require two I'm sorry's from Eric Roberts. Let's get one. I'm sorry. All right. And let's get another. I'm sorry. All right. That's two sorries from Mr. Eric Roberts for his half a fucking man performance in The Long Ride Home. Not a very worthwhile Western. Not a very worthwhile movie, in fact, at all. And if you're looking for information on The Long Ride Home, you'll find that it's it, it certainly doesn't have very many reviews out there, especially for a movie post 2000. You think that there'd be tons and tons of them. If you go on the IMDb page, there's a lot of user comments, but those are, they're all like 10 out of 10 stars, that sort of thing. And most of them bring up the religious content in it. Don't know if you can necessarily trust the content of those reviews. But I think both Rob and myself will agree that uh, this is not a top 
top-notch Western and not a top-notch Eric Roberts film. Do you agree, Rob? Uh, 100%. I uh, would not recommend this movie to my worst enemy. So, Oh, wow. You really didn't like The Long Ride Home. It's just boring. It's a boring, shitty, lame, slow, ponderous, boring movie. Yeah. It's yeah. like what a, a better title would have been Who Cares? The long movie that never ends where Eric Roberts doesn't get much to do with it. For sure. Starring Randy Travis, the <laughs> singer. <laughs> in it, in a, and Gary Marshall for some fucking reason. The Long Ride Home from 2003. Uh, that's it. That's our last Western of the evening. Uh, I have to thank Rob Trench for coming up with the idea of picking two Westerns. I do sort of wish that Purgatory came out after The Long Ride Home so we could have ended on more of a high note. But guess what, folks? We can because we're going to take our final break. And when we return, Rob Trench is going to tell us all about what he's doing and what he has going on in the world. And uh, we're going to do a few plugs and uh, say goodbye. So last break and we'll be right back. Here we are in the final segment of episode 17 of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, the first episode of 2016. I want to give a massive thanks to Mr. Rob Trench for sitting in on two wonderful Eric Roberts Westerns. His choice, very last moment. Thanks again, Rob. Tell us, what do you have going on? Where should we find you on the internet? What, what's a, a good way of following your work? I think the best way that most people find me online is through my Twitter account, which, uh-huh. uh, as we said earlier in the episode, is just at Rob Trench. It's pretty simple and straightforward. Um, you can find most of my uh, long-form writing and criticism at freshfromthetheater.com as well as from scenecreek.com, two Toronto-based film review institutions who are definitely worth looking into and supporting. Yes. <laughs> I left a little bit of uncomfortable space there for you, <laughs> Rob Trent. I will give a uh, a suggestion that everyone does go and follow Rob Trench on Twitter. He's one of my favorite Twitter people, and considering how many people I follow, that is saying a lot. Yeah, a very good Twitter person to have on your radar, and of course, a top-notch writer as well, because if he wasn't, he wouldn't be on Eric Roberts is the fucking man. So please check out his work. We will, of course, link all of that in the show notes as well. You may want to follow me on Twitter as well. That's at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E. 
why. If you want to find out more about Eric Roberts is the fucking man, you can go on to Twitter as well at E-R-I-T-F-M. You can go to ericrobertsistheman.com and uh, you will find all of our previous episodes, all 16 before this one. You can subscribe via iTunes or Stitcher. And uh, as of, I think, today on Google Play as well, if you want to uh, subscribe to the podcast, you're always helping us out. Why don't you leave us an iTunes review if you get a moment? You can also join our Facebook group. Just take a look for Eric Roberts is the man on Facebook. Normally, this is where I'd be telling you what we're going to be covering on our next episode. But as I said at the beginning, we're going to be leaving that out. So if you want to keep up on the latest films being covered and the latest guests, please do check out those social media methods. But with that said, it's time that this episode comes to a close. Meet us again in two weeks where we'll have two more Eric Roberts classics. Could be a movie, could be television. Who knows? But I'll tell you what, it's going to be an experience. Rob, say goodnight to everybody. Good night to everybody. Good night, everybody. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. If there's anything that you can do, Eric Roberts fucking can. Eric Roberts is the fucking man.